Hi, I'm Peter Anthony. And I'm Steve Angel. You're listening to Men With Spirit. Join us as we explore what it means to be a modern man and to live a spirited life. G'day and welcome to this 21st episode of Men With Spirit at Radio Karam. This is a show where we encourage men to get out of their heads and more into their hearts, to be more authentically connected with themselves and with others. And our topic this week is the power of community. Hi, I'm Peter Anthony and I'm here with my co-host Steve Angel. G'day Steve and how are you feeling today? How's your week been? Oh, uh, productive, Pete. Good. Very productive, as you know. I've had that little uh, renovation project at home. So the IKEA is finished. I got a new walk-in wardrobe. Is this a new uh, line of business for you? And God, no, and no, 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 no. You've got, you've got to really keep this <laughs> under check. I'm very happy that it's finished. We had a great time doing it. My wife and I actually made it through and did an excellent job. No huge rows or anything like that. <laughs> there was a few wobblies, but you know that's to be expected. Uh, and uh, what else did I do? Oh, this weekend I saw the Elvis movie too. Yeah, I saw that a few weeks ago. Really good. What, what uh, do you think? I really had a good time. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a big fan of Baz Luhrmann. Um, maybe not Australia the movie, but I really love the rest of his films, and and I really like what he did with it. It was a really, it was a great story, but it was also a little sad as well. I mean, just to see, just the trajectory of his life and just sort of so, end so and, and missed poorly. opportunities. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that manager of his. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm. Well played by Tom Hanks, who yep. I'm not a huge fan of, but geez, he did a good job. Yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah. What about good. yourself, Peter? Well, What's news like, with you? Like, like you, I've had a feeling of uh, accomplishment, uh, achievement, excitement, and uh, fairly focused on things. Um, this weekend, I attended a couple of very different workshops, and they were both uh, powerful in their own ways, so that was a really good weekend. And uh, I've had some interesting and diverse um, lessons popped up regarding people's sense of identity and how we feel about our name and how that ties into our sense of who we are. Mm -hmm. And that's perhaps a topic for another day. Anyhow, speaking of topics, let's get on to um, today's topic, mate. Yeah, what is it? Okay, well, the topic you and I have wanted to explore for quite a while now is what we're calling the power of community. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the benefits of being involved with your community or your tribe, however you define it, um, of being meaningfully connected to others, of caring about each other, um, of overcoming any sense of isolation you may have, and particularly in recent times, and wanting to help bring about positive changes in the world around you, and uh, including joining with others to make a positive difference to the lives of those in your community and more broadly. And uh, to help us explore this topic today, we've invited to to uh, join us today the well-known, very well-known Karam Identity, um, board member of Radio Karam and co-host of the top-rating show on Radio Karam, <laughs> Friday Night Frothies. Here he is, Andrew Adams. Welcome, mate. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, I appreciate being asked to come in. Well, no, we're, we're delighted to have you here, mate. And... Uh, You've come in uh, with uh, an injury. You hurt your back a, a week or so ago, and uh, really appreciate you coming into the into the studio. That's fine. It's, a, it's much better today. I'm on the way back. 
That's good. good. That's it must good. be a bit uh, bit different sitting in the studio, which is normally your studio. Oh well, I, I've, I've you're on the other side of the table. So I, I, well, I would never call it my studio. I call it Marcus's studio, really, <laughs> because uh, you know it. It look, I'm happy that I was able to help Marcus fulfil a dream, and this yeah. is it. Yeah. Mm. And um, and yeah, he, I know that when he walks in here, he's uh, very satisfied that he's got to a place where he's been trying to get to for for a lot of years. You know, yeah. so yeah, no, no it's good. Yeah, I'm yeah, happy to help him do that. Yeah, yeah. and it's a great <clears throat> it's a great uh, achievement here. Um, it was interesting. We were talking during the week, uh, you and I, um, uh, Andrew, and uh, we figured out we were talking about um, Tim George last week. Yep. And I mentioned that he'd been a because uh, we were going through your background. And then you mentioned you'd been a, um, a cook uh, for a number of years. I think it was eight years yeah, or something. You'd and mentioned Tim's name and I thought, yeah. oh, I know that name. Yeah. yeah, and then we worked out that you guys had actually been at trade school together and mm. did cooking training together. Yeah. It, and he went into the police force after five years and you went after, into the police force after eight years. Yeah. So <laughs> and I didn't know. Been something and the water I didn't know that about him though, you know, like – I think I, I, I remember Tim, and when I looked at his photo, and I listened today to, yeah. to your show too with him, and uh, and when I saw the photo, I thought, oh, that's him. I could mm-hmm. just tell it was him. And yeah. and I thought to myself today, I thought, you know, I reckon it was only even for probably 12 months. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe he might have done a different block to me after that. But yeah. but, but I it's funny how you remember. Like I'm, I've, I've got a really terrible memory. If you listen to Friday Night Froggies, <laughs> they, they give it to me all the time because I forget things that happened two minutes ago. But I'm really good with names and faces of people I've known for a long, long time, mm-hmm. haven't seen for a long time. And, and I used to sit on the train going to the city and I, I can go past some flats in, I'm sure it's South Yarra, and yeah. I know I went to, to his flat in South Yarra somewhere there. Really? And I, I may have even helped him move into it. I can't remember. I've just got this recollection. I always go along. So I, I will drop into his business one day when, I'm, yeah. when I've got a minute and, look, and, and have a chat with him because I've... I'm sure he'll say he had a, a flat when he was a first-year yeah. apprentice. I checked with him, and, yeah. he, and he said, yes, absolutely. Well, there you go. He was sharing with his brother. So that, that's a Isn't bit, that amazing? Bit, bit you know, interesting like, yeah. synchronicity. Just incredible. And the, the fact that he did things that – oh, yeah. we spoke yeah. about six degrees of separation, yeah. and, and yeah. Yeah. it's there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, from what you've told me, mate, that you've been involved in, uh, it seems to me, local community activities almost since you were in nappies. And I gather you uh, – talk about a, a Carum local. I gather you had your early years actually living – the Carrum Fire Station. Is oh, that true? Pretty, pretty much. Yes, we were pretty much always there. You know, because that was the. You know, Carrum in those days was a little country town. Mm. Realistically, you know, we oh. grew up riding horses and we had cows out the back here and really? things like that. So, um, so yeah, it was a, a pretty tight knit community. Everybody knew everybody, um, and um, and yeah. So and the things like the life saving club, the football club, the life saving club, and the fire brigade with their own little communities in themselves. And a lot of people involved with one would be in the other. So you, everybody knew each other. So as kids, Dad was heavily involved in the fire brigade. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I remember being up there every Sunday as a kid, sweeping floors and doing anything they're getting us to do, sort of thing, and just hanging around, ho- and jumping on fire trucks, you know, yeah, yeah. as a little kid, yeah. So it's, it, you've had a number of generations here in, in Karam, I gather. Yeah, well, my, my grandparents were here. And then, uh, so that my grandparents moved here, uh, both with my parents when um, my parents were in their sort of early teens, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, they, my grandparents, became involved with the community in different things, and um, and then yeah, that flew on, flowed on to dad and uh, mum, and uh, yeah, sort of flowed down the chain of me. And, and yeah. now you you live <coughs> literally a couple of minutes away from here by walk, uh, walking distance. I've, that's the street I grew up in. Yeah. So believe a, it or not, so very, yeah, very much, very much a local. <laughs> uh, and I, and that was never an intention. You know, we never intended to move back to Caraman and, and to that spot. It just 
the right house right. came up at yeah. the right time and things fell yeah. into place. Yeah. So where did you leave before you came back? Where did you head off oh, to? Went, we just went to Chelsea. We were only in Chelsea, so we weren't far away. We were uh, When my wife and I first got together, we moved mm. out to a place in Chelsea for about 18 months before mm-hmm. we moved back. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got a couple of, married with a couple of kids, I gather? Yes, that's right. You've got two kids there. Um, I've got a daughter who's uh, 29 and my son's 25, 6 now, I think. Okay, um, okay. And how, um, old, how old are you these days? I'm 56. Oh, 50, no, 56 shortly. Yes, okay. so 55. Yeah. And I gather um, these days, we mentioned the uh, Vic Pol or the, the before now, you've how long have you been in the police force now? I've uh, been there for thirty three years. Yeah, gee, that's that's a good run. It's it's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. It's it's. Um, I wish I could say I enjoyed it as much as I did twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Yeah, it's it's nearly my time, and I, and I've got four years to go. I'll, I'll make the four years out and I'll retire. But um, but yeah, it's a, a very changed job to when I started, and um, for old um, cranky people like myself it's sometimes hard to handle that <laughs> <laughs> I say to people I'm old and grumpy yeah. <laughs> you're in the, the dog squad which is an interesting uh, yeah. area to be I think if I thought. hadn't have been in the dog squad I wouldn't have been in as long as I have yeah. I, I don't think I would have lasted I had to specialise I realised that pretty early in the piece yeah. and uh, so I just was started looking and uh, watched a bloke and his dog work one night I just looked and said I'm going to do that interesting yeah. how long ago was that? Um, I, I got to the dog squad. I first applied when I was about three years in, believe it or not, and uh, I got accepted, but my wife was about to have our first child and I knew it was a full-on course and I set, went to the bosses there and I said, listen, I appreciate it, but I'm not ready. Mm. I didn't expect to get mm. this far. Mm. And they said, oh, as long as you know, you're going to compete against everyone else when you come back. And I said, yeah, that's no worries. I said, you'll see me in two years. And I did two years. I came back and I put Good in and it. got in here. Yeah. So what, what appealed to you about the policing to start with? Why, Especially oh, after being, you know, studying to be a chef. Well, I, I never liked being a chef. Um, I'm a bit probably like Tim. Tim did it to his apprenticeship, then got out, and I was pretty much the same. I never really enjoyed. The first twelve months was fun, and then mm-hmm. after that, it was just a job that suited my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, I didn't have a normal chef's job. I had a job where it was a day shift, Monday to Friday, which was really unusual. Yeah. So which, if yeah. I hadn't had that, yeah. I probably wouldn't have lasted in as long yeah. as I did. So um, yeah, so I did that, and then I um, went to. I was looking for something. Mm-hmm. I was. I, I got. Um, overlooked for a second chef's job where I was and I was pretty disappointed and I was uh, looking for something else and I was uh, watching a mate of mine graduate, my GS off Friday Night Frothies, mm-hmm. uh, graduate and um, and I just watched them and I, and I thought, wow, I can do that. And uh, and two months later I was in, basically. It, it was really quick. <laughs> it was really quick. I said to my wife, I reckon I can do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she said, well, have a go. And so we did. Good on you. <laughs> so what was the attraction? I, I, to me, I just watched how proud they all looked and I went, wow, you know, like I want to feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, the chests were out and they were marching. Which when, in, when they had proper graduations, you, know, you wore a white hat and you were in your uniform and everyone marched perfectly. There was no – you knew how to – they taught us how to march. They taught yeah. us discipline and they taught us how to, uh, to parade properly and everything. And, and it's not like that anymore as much. But, um, but yeah, I just liked the look of it. And, uh, and I, I, we had a, a coach that coached us when we were running in the fire brigade who was uh, Harold Taylor who had been a – a policeman for years and years and years and I had a lot of respect for him so mm-hmm. probably that maybe erred to the way that I, I went to I thought mm. well you know like so his example yeah. if you like yeah and yeah. I thought it would make me family proud so yeah, yeah. yeah. great so and you, you've got involved in a whole range of uh, local community and sporting organisations do you want to tell us a bit about <laughs> some of 
with, without going to too much, we could literally talk for hours just on know, the involvement the with the club. So long, and we'd have a but look at tell us here. some of the things you've done with the, uh, and then we'll get on to in, involvement with council and a few other things in a minute. But tell us about some of the sporting well, organisations you've been involved. Well, with. I suppose the um, I started with the, the fire brigade, and I was with them for I think it was twenty four years in the end. I, I was a life member. I've been made a life member there. I was uh, then I had um, well, we'll talk about the council later. I was on the council, and some mates came to me and said, listen. Uh, we want to start a football club in Caram. And I think at first we looked at a senior footy club, which was way too hard, and decided on a Super Rules footy club. And so they asked me to be the president of that, and we started um, building a club, which we did, and which is quite successful. This and, is the Caram uh, Cowboys? Cowboys, yeah. Yep. And um, I'll probably talk about it a bit later too uh, in some of the other things, but about getting people to involved. But, um, but yeah, so there was that. Um, you know, I coached junior footy. I've, um, I've been involved with the Bowls Club. That was a... a I, the Franks and Council were kicking the Karen Bowls Club out years ago. Mm. Um, I, I'm guessing it was about 20 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my brother-in-law, I said, come on, let's go up and join just to boost their numbers and mm. show them support. And I think the next year they had me bowling in pennant and for a couple of years. I didn't only bowl for a couple of years. I didn't bowl much really at all. <laughs> and, um, and then my dad joined after me, believe it or not, and um, he got really involved and was on the committee and uh, – uh, then when he passed away, they asked me to take his spot. So I did. And, uh, yeah, so then it was was on their committee for quite a long time. I did a lot of work there. We got a new building. Uh, did a lot of stuff. So, yeah, so, um, what else? You're so, really responsible Cam- for that new building. Uh, uh, Ca- oh, well, the Ca- the bowling club one year, I was part of that, that group. I'd say I'm probably more responsible for this one. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot more work for this one than I probably did that one. That one taught me a lot mm-hmm. when I was put How into this go, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I learned go. a lot from that experience. And the people I was working with there to, to be able, enable me to do this one here. Yeah. Good. And what and on council, you were on the council for what, a couple of years? It was a term. It was about three years. It was a short term. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It was an interesting experience. Interesting experience. I was, and I was what, uh, what did you help achieve during that time? Um, well, you know, it's funny because you really need more than three years to achieve anything on council. You know, like you, really? you put your yeah. ideas forward and it usually takes three years for them to come to being. You get a, you get your name on a budget and a budget listing item and all that sort of thing. So, so while I was on there, not a lot, because things happened afterwards. Um, one thing was the LD up at Carum. I, in my first oh, few months, I sat with the the hierarchy of LD who were very new in, in Australia. Then they wanted to to come to Carum and they wanted a whole lot of compensations to do it. So I, I fortunately took a fellow who's a general manager at council now called Jan, uh, Jonathan Gutman with me to that meeting. He was a planner. Mm-hmm. And I said, what about all these compensations? He said, no, we're not giving the compensation. Right, eh? So we worked with them because uh, felt, I felt it would be a good thing for Karen. Mm-hmm. And I still think it is. I don't like the... The, the traffic, the traffic situation. But but other than that, no, you know, it was a good thing. And, and then we had the Harvest Festival, which came the year after mm-hmm. I finished, and it was massive, and it was really big for Karen. Um, we've lost it again now, but um, it was really a, a big deal. And it stayed for a long time. I emceed the main stage there for... Now, most of them, all but about one of them, I think. And that yeah. sounded like, a, when you were talking the other day, you were getting really uh, excited about it, but that whole idea of getting the community involved in something like uh, that was... Everybody uh, in Carum owned that. Yeah. Like, even people just rolled up and went to listen to music. They yeah. owned it. I'd see people in the shopping centre and they'd recognise me from being on the stage and more, more so than recognise me from the council work or anything like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they'd say, oh, 
when's harvest again? When's harvest yeah, again? Yeah, Everyone was yeah. just couldn't wait for the next one. It was great. Yeah. So being involved in council like that, because it, <coughs> it is a big commitment to do something like that. Is it was it worthwhile from your point of view? And um, would you encourage others to think about it? Look, I, I think it was. It was good for my own personal development. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I realised I was probably capable of more than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a, a little story. They they put me through a. Uh, personal development course mm-hmm. with a whole lot of the um, Municipal Association Victoria put it on. We went to um, Werribee Mansion. A whole lot of people from around the, around the metro area went to this thing. I didn't know these people. And they were most of them were very different to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I consider myself a, a, a local knockabout, really. I'd, I'm, that's what I would, I'd call myself. Mm-hmm. These people weren't like me. There was a lot of greenies. There was people mm-hmm. wanting to be politicians. Mm-hmm. There was all this. Mm-hmm. So it was a different demographic. Anyhow, they set us all these challenges during this stay. It was a three-night, a two-night stay and... And I saw people um, nearly break down in tears and, and, and stress out and have to walk away and because of the pressure they were putting on us to produce presentations. And they mm-hmm. would, it was to try and get you to think outside the square. Mm-hmm. And so I learned a lot from it because of that because I watched all these people and I'm sitting back going, what the hell's going on here? You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd never experienced anything like that before in my life. And um, Is that because your approach is different? <coughs> Why was that? Well, I've, I've just never been put in that situation, I guess, mm. at that stage. I'd never had to, been, had to be put under that sort of pressure. And, uh, and the interesting thing was, for we sat for about five hours and my group that we'd splintered off into came up with zero to present. And I'm thinking, we're stuffed here, you know, like, we're going to get, we're going to fail miserably. Yeah. And then one of the fellows said, why don't we convince all the other groups that we should be thinking outside the square and putting all our information together and making one presentation? Yes. <laughs> Love it. Clever. And I just jumped on him straight away and him and I um, pushed that and convinced the other groups who, who saw holes in it. They said, but you guys have got nothing. We'll put it together. <laughs> so we put it together, we presented it and it went over really, really well. So, but it was just interesting. It, that's what I mean. It taught me a lot. It taught me to, th- to think right outside the and, square. And, and if you get other people involved, you can achieve a better outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like you're pulling now. other groups in. And it, I'll just, can I just tell you one? There's a yeah, fascinating yeah, story about that. They gave us a project to do while we weren't there. So we, we went away for a month and came back. Mm-hmm. And the project was find a problem in your community and um, and come up with a solution. And they said, don't worry about cost. Don't mm-hmm. worry about it. That's just to see what you can come up with. And I came up with a bridge over McLeod Road to let McLeod Road go. <laughs> this is absolutely so, true. I think I've still got my notes. Yeah. Uh, going straight to Napoon Highway. So mm-hmm. basically what's happened there, because I even drew had hand-drawn pictures. I was on a computer guide or with a steam train going over the top and all sorts <laughs> of things. So, and uh, and I, got, I did really well. They, uh, I, I think... It was one of the um, the higher rated uh, presentations because yeah. um, I said, you know, it was an issue. The traffic up there was an issue, mm-hmm. and uh, and the crossing was a problem. So it, and it's all your. You uh, find out. Like, <laughs> so it's all your fault or well, your benefit. I was kind of a bit against it when it came up too. And then, I, then I was later on, I thought, geez, I think I did something about that yeah. years ago. <laughs> you put that in motion. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. we've got a lot to. Go yeah, to sorry. Just, just, yeah. No, 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 no. That's fine. It's uh, like literally, we could talk for for hours on and what you've done over the years. Mm-hmm. If you talk about radio. As, as an example, uh, how did you get? In, uh, I suppose we've touched on it a little bit earlier about you wanting to help Marcus out, mm. and you then went on to set up or found Friday Night Frothies. Um, well, how did you get involved with all that? Well, that, that came around when I was involved with the footy club, and Marcus was doing um, Radio Caram at the school, and he came. He wanted to extend into the um, sporting clubs, and so he came to us and said, "Do you want to do a, a radio show?" So we started the Caram Cowboys Radio Show every Wednesday night. We do the team selection. And, um, you know, we just talk about – we talk to a couple of the players, interview the coaches, all that sort of thing. And, mm. uh, 
and it went really, really well. We went around, and then we called some games, live games. Mm-hmm. Good on you. That was good fun. And then, and then from that, I realised that Marcus needed some help, mm-hmm. so we donated some gear for him. And then we sort of, I think that's when I sort of partnered up with him and said, "Listen, let me give you a hand with this," and started helping him put in for grants and that sort of thing. And yeah, we became a bit more official because mm-hmm. before that, it was pretty much Marcus on his own, you know. So. Well, you've certainly yeah. achieved a lot. Um, <coughs> what can I ask? What, what makes you a serial? Let's call it a serial community contributor. And what what motivates you? And why do you why do you do all these things? I think. Um, look, I, I guess it comes back to your family. Like you know, that's what I, I always saw. Saw my grandparents, you know, contributing. I saw my dad heavily contributing. Mum was too, but dad heavily contributing. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and growing up, I was never going to be that guy. You know, I was never going to be him. You know, because that's not me. You know mm. what I mean? And and it's interesting because now I look back and I think oh, I've become exactly him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. him. Yeah. And uh, you know, so it's something I'm kind of proud of now. You know, because it was a time I probably would have gone, I don't want to be anything like him. Yeah. But now, and I suppose because he's passed away too, it makes it a bit harder. So I kind of um, yeah I get quite emotional because um, I think he'd be really proud. You know, sure he would yeah. be, yeah, or he yeah. should be. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, and that, so I guess that's, yeah, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it too, you know, like a lot mm. of achievement. If mm. I can, I, I feel that if I can go into a, a club or whatever or, or to a committee and it can be better when I leave mm. or if I leave, you know, mm-hmm. then I've achieved something, you know, like, and, you know, and I've, I've always wanted to, I've, I ran my own business for a short time, a tree lopping business, which I did while I was working full time. And, um, but I've always... So people look for something else. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like to have another business. I'd like to do something, mm-hmm. but I think the volunteering filled that gap for me because um, it, it kind of was like a full time job. A lot of it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I often think how wealthy I, monetary wise, I could have been <laughs> yeah. if I'd not done any of the volunteering and, and worked. Mm-hmm. So the, the financial yeah. rewards haven't been the thing that have motivated you. No, so, not at all, because so, there is none. <laughs> yeah. No, so what would what would you say are your personal values that motivate you? Um, I don't know. I just think uh, I, I like to try and um, lead by example, I suppose, and um, and to surround myself with good people. You know, like when you there's a good feeling of achievement and accomplishment when you can do something and you know turn something around. And um, and or what with the Cowboys being the t- other two fellas, you know, built something from scratch. Mm. You know, so, and build a uh, that was an interesting one because we built a culture. Too, mm-hmm. which was different. You know, we were able to build a culture from scratch. So, how would you describe the culture you were able to establish? Oh, it's a, it's a very, um, <clears throat> it's, it's not about the footy, mm-hmm. in, in a way. It was about fellas getting together, um, chatting. Uh, it was about, and we, we, we evolved it into mental health and, and men's health as well. But, mm-hmm. but it was always that anyhow. It was kind mm-hmm. of like you know, every Wednesday night was like a open psychology session you know and it really was because we put blokes to just talk and laugh and carry on and and you know and blokes felt comfortable talking mm. too which was interesting uh, yeah when we were talking the other day one of the things you mentioned which i thought was really good is that you're saying with with the footy club you got the local uh, doctors atticus health yeah. involved <coughs> in uh, doing free health checks uh, That's right, for yeah. each of the, the all the people involved with the club the players and all this, so on and I thought that was a fantastic initiative. And you were saying there were some real benefits to individuals as a consequence of doing oh, that. Oh, that's right. You know, a couple, one fellow found out he had cancer and didn't know. You know, just went and had some checks. And he never had a men's health check before. Do you want to just describe a little bit more about what that program well, is? Well, what it was, it was we went to Floyd. I went to Floyd and I said, listen, <coughs> excuse me, I've got a bit of a croaky throat. Um, 
yeah, I went to Floyd and I said, uh, can, we'd like to um, encourage the guys to come in and have their men's health check. We're all over 35. It's all over 35s. And look, and like even now, I think the average age at the footy club now would be 50. Mm. So um, it was just a chance to um, you know get people to um, go there and do it. And I knew it, well, we'd have to lead by example. So a few of us, we, we all got, Floyd was straight away, yes, mm-hmm. he wanted to do it. So we, everything was free. You could go there and have it done for free. Mm-hmm. So that was the first hurdle. So And anyone could come. It didn't have to be just a player. It could be a mm-hmm. spectator. It could mm-hmm. be a, you know, anybody from around here that was about the Cowboys. Go up and say, I'm from the Carum Cowboys. I want a men's health check. And, um, yeah, and actually a couple of fellas found out that they had some problems. Most everyone found out they were really, really healthy, which um, I, I think I was explaining to you. We actually were very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, myself and Henry, who's a mate of mine, and a couple others went up there, and we were the early ones to go up and, like, we drank a bit, mm. you know. On a Wednesday night, we'd have a few beers, and <laughs> and on a Friday night, probably have a few beers, and on a Sunday after a game, we'd have a few beers. And, and so we were honest. We said how much we drank. And uh, I still remember the the nurse who was collating all the information going, <gasps> <laughs> well, is that is that for the week? And we go, oh no, that's the night. Yeah. And then um, and so, but we were honest. But yeah, but most of us came back. You know, everything was working really well. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so uh, but yeah, for a couple of people, it was a bit of an awakening, and they were able to get treatment. And um, yeah, and and help themselves out. You know, which was really good. And in fact, it was two blokes that weren't players. Believe it or not, fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's um, a great initiative, mate. Um, we could keep talking for ages about all of that. We will. But we'll move on. Uh, no, no, it's all right. Um, Andrew, as, as you know, we we ask our guests for a, a music selection as a bit of a window into them as a person. Now, you've chosen a song entitled How Well Have You Loved by Luke O'Shea. Now, can you give us a bit of a story as to why you've chosen this and why it's important uh, to you? Well, I know, I know Luke. Uh, quite well. He came to the Harvest Festival down here, mm-hmm. and in fact, uh, when the, the, the year the Harvest Festival got cancelled because the, the, it rained so much during the week that we couldn't set up the big tops, I rang him and said, "Are you still coming to Melbourne?" And I didn't know him at this stage, and he said, "Yeah." I said, um, "Could you come and play at the Footy Club? Just do one set at the Footy Club because we've missed out on the whole festival." And he said, "Yep. Yeah, if you come and pick me up at the airport, I'll come and play." Mm-hmm. So I had a great day with him. I picked him up. We had a few beers. We, I took him out for dinner. We came over to the footy club and we had a, he played a session and, and he won everyone's hearts. Good. And um, <clears throat> this song that is one that has got um, actions to it. He, he did a, a film clip for it where these it was a, a bunch of his fans that just put these actions to it. So he made a film clip with them. And I thought it kind of met your the criteria of this volunteering thing too because, um, you know, when you're volunteering, you, you don't make money. And it talks about it doesn't matter about the how much money you make. Mm-hmm. It's about how well have you loved, and in that way, you know, how well have you loved is how well have you contributed, how yeah. you know that sort of thing. And so I thought it kind of met the, the what we're trying to talk about yeah. today. And it's a great message. Brilliant. It's a really good song. I've been listening since you told me about it the other day. I've been listening yeah. to it quite a bit. <laughs> okay, here we go. How well have you loved? G'day everyone, I'm AC from Friday Night Frothies, also very involved in the sporting club. We're here today at the grand opening. Any opportunity I get, I'll be listening to Radio Karen. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Men With Spirit on Radio Karen with me, Steve Angel, and my co-host Peter Anthony. And our guest today is a well-known Karen local, board member of Radio Karen and co-host of the top rating show, Radio Karen. Right Friday Night Frothies, which we just heard in the station ID. This is Andrew Adams. G'day, Andrew. Still here. Thank you. 
Thank you for that song. Um, uh, it was a beautiful song, actually. And uh, you were just telling us a little bit more about Luke and and his and you know and and how you met him. Um, before we we move on a little bit further. We, we want to try something a little bit different today and put in a little bit of a snippet from somebody that we know who is speaking about community. And I think it ties in quite well with what we're talking about today. And then we'll come back and ask you a yeah. few more questions. Can only come from people. That can only come from actions of like people. That can only happen in small communities. Small communities eventually have to impact other communities who accept at least a part of what they're saying or doing and will have that ripple effect. Earth can't change quickly. It's not possible because right back to the beginning, we have too much competition against each other. There's too much jealousy, envy and greed. Communities... And they're the basic things that, that destroy society and communities act against that. They're the antidote to jealousy, envy and greed if they're a proper working community. And they don't last. As soon as people jump on the hierarchical bandwagon, usually for self-benefit, that's when the community breaks up and starts to work against itself. So ch change can only come from the people. The people can only bring change through forming communities of like, where those who have different likes are tolerant of each other. That was um, Ian Rogers from uh, Sphinx Spiritual who's speaking to um, speaking on a podcast called Out of the Box Podcast. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on what Ian said about the antidote? Uh, the community is the antidote to what's going on. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting when you were saying about um, uh, small communities, mm -hmm. and and that's kind of how I grew up and how I, I was introduced to volunteering because in small communities, people tend to stick together a bit mm. more. Karam's hardly a small community. It is really. It's a Karam's a kilometre square, but it's not quite that small community it used to be. Um, and and I think. Um, the, the issue you have now is that people are so busy is to mm. convince them to that sparing a little bit of time to help out in community is really tough, you know. And I think we were busy before, but everyone just sort of did it. Now you've got to convince people they can do it. I think, yeah. I think that's absolutely true. I think, mm. yeah, they, the, uh, they'll always find a reason not to define the time. And maybe our lives are busier or maybe they just seem busier because there's just a lot more things going on um well life in general i mean the, the roads are busy everything's busier everything. so you feel like you're busy the whole time mm. yeah. yeah you do i mean and let's just talk about that at the moment as well just you know we've come out of a couple of years of lockdowns and just you know really sort of disruptions to our lives i mean as somebody who's obviously had the finger on the pulse in this own your own community what have you seen what have you seen about uh, what's going on for people in your own community i think uh, around here what i know is i think people have been slow to embrace the opening of the uh, opening of everything mm -hmm. you know so you didn't immediately have a whole lot of people going to the restaurants or to the um the, the clubs like here mm -hmm. this sort of thing that some people were still a bit standoffish and um i think now that people are starting to get more comfortable which is interesting because there's been more outbreaks in it as you know and um mm. but people are getting more comfortable i think and um 
you know, it was interesting. I, I liked um, lockdown for the amount of people that were walking and riding bikes and stuff. You know, you'd see families I agree, everywhere yeah. riding bikes and stuff, and, and that's sort of gone again now. Like, I don't see – they're probably out and about, but I just don't notice them as much, you mm. know, I think because everyone was out because you had to get out to mm. have your mm. hour of exercise or whatever. Yeah, how quickly yeah. you forgot. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. And I, I remember looking at people thinking – Geez, you haven't rode a bike for a while. <laughs> it's probably doing you all the world of good, you know. Yeah. Like, and um, and but yeah, you don't see them now. But uh, but yeah, I think yeah, I think around here people are starting to get back to some normality, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. You know, what are you the most proud of in the achievements that you have, um, you know, had in your community involvement and volunteering? Look, I think um, in in a way, like. What I'm trying to achieve, I was, I was thinking about that coming into this. Where, what, why do I, why do I do it? Why did I do it? I think, in a way, I kind of wanted to leave a legacy, mm-hmm. and um, and so I think, look, the bowls club, I was a part of that. This building here, I was probably I, I, I headed the uh, the group that went for it, and and I used a lot of my own favours that I had built up in the community in Carrum. And um, and so I put a lot of it this it myself into it. Mm-hmm. So in twenty years' time, this building will still be here, mm-hmm. and will still be servicing the community. And that community probably won't know how the hell it got here. And that doesn't matter, you yes. know. I, I'm not about having my name put on a building. I, I'm not interested in that at all. But I I, I can my kids will know, mm-hmm. and they'll tell my grandkids. Mm-hmm. And if they're still living around here, they'll walk around this footy oval. When I'm seventy or eighty, I'll be walking around this footy oval. I'll look across at this building. And there's my legacy, yeah. you know. So, so for me, that this building here. I mean, the sports club. When I became president, I did it because the president asked me. He, he wanted to stand down after 20 years, which was a great effort. And they were struggling financially, and we managed to turn that around. We managed to get a new building within four years. You know, like it was a huge run of success. And it, it is a great facility here. I mean, to say it's <coughs> what over nine million uh, all up. Nine, yeah, from nine million sources, funding. about nine yeah. million dollars in funding. And it it's was a great setup. It was crazy. You know, I remember. When I first got onto the sports club committee, I'd just finished as president of the Cowboys and they asked me to come on the committee and I said, I'll come on and I'll do one job and that's try and get us a new building. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because people, I know people in the past, good people had tried to do it and always failed. And I thought, I've got the, the skills I learned when I was on council, how to approach the council to start with. Mm-hmm. So I u- utilised that. Anyhow, but that only lasted 12 months and I was the president of the club because um, Bunter wanted to step down, but but um, but yeah, it it gave me that twelve months to really put together a package that we could sell to the council. And I, and at that meeting, one of the fellows said to me, "How how long for shoveling soil?" I said, "Give me five years." And I think we did it in three. So I, I was pretty happy with that. You know, like it was a it was it was much bigger achievement than we were. We were lucky; it was an election year. Mm-hmm. We had mm-hmm. both parties. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had the we had the Liberal Party st- saying they were going to give us the money straight out four yeah. million. The council committed four million and. The Labor Party came at the forming in eventually. It was it was broken up, but we basically got that from them as well, which they were part of the build in the end. Um, so, yeah, we managed to get the funding. It was just – I still pinch myself a bit and think, wow, that was a good effort. And, are, and are the facilities <coughs> here constantly in use? So, like, does the community get ongoing well, benefit I, from I, all Well, I'll this? tell you what, this room here gets mm. probably more use than any of them, and that's the truth. Um, Radio Carum has gone ahead in, in leaps and bounds since we were able to get this studio because before that we were – carting the gear to everybody mm-hmm. this way we could have a central place everyone can come and and so you know we've got so many you guys coming we've got bam arts that are doing a great job and you know we can extend our our reach to other people <clears throat> excuse me again um so so yeah but but yeah the building um 
COVID slowed everything down. Mm-hmm. So when they should have been pumping through, you know, function after function, I weren't able to do any of it. So, yeah. but you know, we have got a really large junior footy club. Um, the cricket club's big during the summer too, but uh, really large foot junior footy club. The two senior footy clubs being the seniors and the and the cowboys. So, so yeah, it's getting a lot of use. You know, I think Monday, Tuesday would be pretty quiet here, but after that, it'd be used every day. Yeah. You, you mentioned Radio Karam. Yes. Um, to me, and, and our experience with uh, with the, the station, it's fairly unique um, in terms of the, the way it operates and the fact that it gives a voice to uh, groups and people in the community that perhaps may not otherwise have a voice. And uh, it's got a really good culture and uh, doing some great stuff. So what, in your opinion, what makes it so special, Andrew? Um, again, I think um, that Karen people that know about it own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's theirs. So, um, and so, yeah, and I think the the special part about Radio Karen is where it started, and that's at the primary school. <clears throat> and I tell the story about my nephew who I listened to on a radio show. My nephew was quite introverted, and I heard him on this fishing radio show. Mm-hmm. For these kids talking about fishing, it was hilarious. But, but it was interesting to hear him talking with confidence. Mm-hmm. And by the end of his schooling at Karen Primary, he was standing at the front of assembly with a microphone in his hand, and that's what made me think, what Marcus is doing is important here. Yes. You know, like, it's more, it's bigger than yeah. the footy club having a show. We can mm. do that, you know, mm. or Friday Night Frothies and that sort of thing. This was before all that anyhow, and I thought to myself, that's why I helped him, because I saw that. Mm. And um, and I think that's probably the important part of it. You know, the rest of us, the flow on of us doing our shows, you know, your shows, mm. that sort of thing, they're fantastic. But it's starting there. That's really important. You know, if you can change it, and through, I think through Radio Karen Marcus started Toastmasters as well at the school, oh, which was wonderful. which was which is another thing. You know, as you know, builds confidence in kids. Yeah. Well, Steve actually yeah. volunteers and he comes along, <laughs> goes along in that program and delivers the Toastmasters. Do. Program. Oh, does do, there yeah, you go. Yeah, well, member of the you have to have, and a, Toastmasters. You have yeah. to chat to Marcus because that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Th- there's, there's something about you that I, I find fascinating in that, you know, people are obviously drawn to you. You're, you're someone who gets things done. Is that how you see yourself? No. <laughs> I, I, I get I get what you're saying. And it's interesting. In all these things I've done, I've usually been approached by somebody else. Yeah, they've seen so something I, I in you. I kind of haven't ever, except for Radio Karam, I guess, I kind of, I kind of never have sort of gone, oh, I want to start a footy club. Some mates came to me and said, listen, I think we should start a footy club. When I put in for council, people from the community came to me and said, we think you should put in for council. And, and I'd never have thought of it. You know, so, so I, I think I'm just probably lucky that I've got the local connections and it's really important to surround yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. So with the footy club, that was really important. We got the right people in the right jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we didn't, our committee meetings were every Wednesday night in the kitchen while we were cooking dinner for everybody and things like that, you know. Like, and we had the right people to do that. We just made decisions on the run and that's how it worked for us, you know. I think I think officially uh, we had minutes of meetings written down, but really that's where we were. <laughs> that's what we were doing, you know. And it's, But I've always thought if you get the right people around you, you can achieve stuff. You know, I'm not necessarily the smartest bloke in the room, you know. But if I can get a couple of the smartest bloke in the room to come and help me, well then... That makes that, you a smart that, person. Well, but you know what I mean? Like that, they, I use their brains. If yes. I haven't got the brains, I'll use that, their that's brains. That's the hallmark of a, of a leader. Mm. And obviously people trust you mm. and will follow you uh, if you can engender the sense of confidence and a vision of what could be achieved. And obviously you've been very successful at doing that. I, I think it's also about 
uh, man management. Yeah. You know, there's there's plenty of managers that are poor man managers mm-hmm. that I've dealt with over the years, and um, and I think it's about you know knowing what what you need to do to inspire people to do stuff for you. You know, like you know you, you need to, the bloke that needs to have a thank you said to him every Wednesday night at because mm-hmm. he's helping out, you've got to say that to him, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and he might be a bit of a pain in the bum to everybody else, but I know that he's going to work like hell for me if I say thank you. So I'll say thank you to him. You know, that's the sort of thing you've got to do. You've got to read each person and know. Mm-hmm. You know, some people don't need thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not the sort of person I don't. I don't want people coming up and saying thank you to me all the time. I'm doing it because I want to do it. Mm-hmm. But there's people that need that, and so if they, and that's fine. That's fine. If that's what they need, you, you just got to be able to. So yeah, right people around you, man, and man, man managing right. You know, speaking to people properly. You know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. What, what do you um, what do you think needs to improve in the community to get more community engagement? Uh, look, the, when we lost Harvest Festival here, that was a huge hole because it was something that everybody in this community loved. You know, like um, it, it was just such a great vibe. It was a really good vibe, and, and a lot of local clubs helped out. You know, like the Karen Cowboys ran the bar. You know, someone else would have a barbecue. Someone else would cook roast beef rolls. You know, so it was like a fundraiser for the whole community. We had a massive big top tent they used to park just at the end mm. of the footy oval here. And um, and it was just a huge event. And it made the community, when I went for council, I think I was saying, I, I was saying to people, well, council, where does the bum end of town? Because we were right on the border mm. and we've forgotten. Mm. And so the whole idea when I went there, I said to the CEO, I said, I want to have something that, Makes the people feel like you're doing something. This, for this is the city of Kingston. City of yeah. Kingston, you know, yeah. and um, Rob Skinner at the time yeah. was the, yeah. the CEO, and and with between a girl that was at festivals, we came up with this idea to have a um, to have a, a music mm. festival, and it just grew and it was huge. It was fantastic. It made people feel it might only be once a year, but it makes everybody feel like they're a part of the community. Like this is for them. Can I? Yeah. I'm, I'm ignorant to this, but what caused what stopped the? Um, oh, I think pres- funding basically okay. at the end of the day. Yeah, they. Um, when we were building the um, the childcare centre, they moved it to Chelsea, and they then they had it at Chelsea one more year and changed its name. They changed it to Beats and Eats, and it was going to stay at Chelsea after that. And uh, and I you know I fought pretty hard, but I wasn't on council by that mm. stage. I, mm. I, I I I expressed my um, opinions, mm-hmm. uh, weren't necessarily listened to, but um, I, like I said, I've. Uh, I used up a fair few favours over the years and I wasn't getting one there. But, I, you know, it's something that there's a lot of people around here that would love to see it happen again. And it, I've always said that that's something that the sports club could look at when they get a, their their house in order here is to possibly run our own, mm. you know, run our own no, music festival. You know? yeah. yeah. And But and it's a lot of work. You need, like, again, you need the right people. And, and I don't know that I'm I'm ready for that commitment again yet. Like, I've, I'm, I'm sort of backing off now. I, I feel that... It, uh, it was a conscious decision of mine to do a lot of stuff when I was young mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily want to be the old bloke that's doing stuff. I'd like to be able to come over, like go to a bowls club and enjoy bowling. I, mm-hmm. I love bowling. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'd like to be able to go to a bowls club and just bowl and not have to worry about whether the, the bar fridge is full and um, the floor's being cleaned and everything else. You know, I want to just go there and bowl and walk away and have someone else do that. You know, mm-hmm. but, And so I'm getting better at saying no. Mm. Which is something I was no good at for a long time. I just mm. said yes, which frustrated my wife. Because <laughs> you but, said yes to a lot of yeah, things. And, uh, and I'd go, oh, I might be on this committee. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> so that's sort of how it go a bit. But, yeah, I'm beginning better at saying no. People ask me things now. I say, no, look, I just can't. I'm trying to manage myself better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, what more could be done 
to improve um, community engagement, involvement and uh, connectedness and and uh, this sense of isolation that a, pe- a lot of people have, like you mentioned, the festival. Are there other things just at a community level, you think, from your perspective and given you're involved in so many things, what sort of things could be done to get people the, more involved? There's plenty of things that people can do, but uh, look, I've, it's really difficult because you know these people that probably need to be connected sometimes don't want to make that first step to come. Yeah. And I know, mm-hmm. that's the tough bit. I don't know how you do it, you know, like... You know, we've been lucky. I remember there was a fellow that came over for the Cowboys one time and he, he, we didn't know him. And he, he was an older fellow. And he said, I've always been involved with footy clubs. I've moved to Patterson Lakes. Can I give you a hand? Can I? Mm-hmm. Can, and we said, do you want to, we needed something for the siren. Can you do the timekeeping? He goes, yeah, I'll do it. He did this timekeeping for us for years because he, he just wanted to look for something to do. And we got to know him. It turned out he was a husband of a woman that was working at the primary school who I knew she taught my kids it was, everything evolved you know like but um but yeah I mean it's hard to break into those people I mean everybody knows you can go join the SES or you can mm-hmm. and go and join the Lifesaving Club but there's so many organizations around here that need help and and it would would love people to come and help but how you get them to do it is difficult it's very difficult it's hard enough when you've got a bunch of 50 footballers in there and you say listen we need someone to do this who's going to do it mm-hmm You've got a captive audience account. When you're trying to get to the whole community, it's really tough. And I don't know. I don't know whether you, whether they need the council need to look at running. They used to run them years ago forums for that sort of thing. You know, maybe you have the Patterson Lakes Community Centre or the community centre here, and you get all the volunteer organisations to get together, or anyone, any group that might want volunteers, and and the community can come along and have a look and see if it's something interests them. I don't know. There's there's all sorts of things I suppose you could do. Yeah, you were saying before about the Caram Cowboys and that you. <coughs> put a lot of effort into developing the culture there and it was quite a strong culture um, and clearly people are still joining the club and that sort of thing yep. um, people outside the club who see that culture is that what uh, attracts them to you I mean you say it's this idea of like attracts like that if, if you see a group of people behaving in a particular way exhibiting values that resonate with you you'll be attracted to them I think so I think so yeah um, we've really always had a really good reputation the cowboys had a pretty good reputation in carom and such like people know who they are um you know like and it's funny the kids in their song our song is the same tune as the footy clubs mm-hmm. but it's it's I, I won't sing the words for you now because <coughs> i'm a bit croaky but uh, it's it's actually just a, it's a joke song mm-hmm. it's a joke song and at the end we go yee-haw after the song finishes all the kids who sing the song in the junior footy club now say yee-haw at the end. Now, it's got nothing to do with the club song. They sing the, the Melbourne song, you know, the Maroon and Blue. Yeah. Well, But they all say yee-haw at the end, and that's the Cowboys. Yeah. So I really, I was watching my on um, Facebook. My niece is, uh, is playing in the girls' team, and they won a game. I think it was their first game. And when they sang and they got to the end and, and said yee-haw, I thought, well, there's, that's the Cowboy influence for you. Because yee-haw doesn't fit with a, with a footy song unless it's the Cowboys. So, um, so, so yeah, it's um, and I think the Cowboys – look, we had um, – other footy clubs, other Super Rules footy clubs come to us and base their clubs on us. They were having issues and said, what are you doing? And we'd sit with them, Frankston's Tiger Sharks, and they went on to be much bigger and better things than we had. But they, they took themselves back and they, they saw what we were doing and, and replicated that and then built yeah. from there. And we've had a couple of clubs do that too. So, and, and, I, and I don't know how it works or why, but it just does. You know, it just works. Whatever we're doing is working, you know, so... The good thing, like you piloted that concept that's been picked up with Radio Caram. Mm. It's also you're piloting a concept of community engagement that involves the local clubs, involves the sporting clubs, involves the local school. 
Um, that sort of model, I know Marcus is very keen to take it more broadly. Absolutely, um, yeah. Because uh, I, I think... It's got it, the it's, potential. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it's got the potential. I mean, it's not a huge monetary outlay to set mm-hmm. yourself up with all the gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just need you just need a couple of people that like Marcus, you know, that want to drive it mm-hmm. and, and are ready to include everyone, which Marcus is. He's, he'll be here every day of the week. Mm-hmm teaching people to do it getting sporting because he'll come down film people he's going to that aspect now too like you know doing a youtube type of stuff and you, you need someone with that drive but if you can find you can usually find that one person mm-hmm. but every community could do it. you know like every community around here you know more Alec could do it yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very inclusive and and yeah. like if you look down in gippsland where you know brett is and the groups down there i reckon something like this would be fantastic down there and just to get uh, involvement in the different uh, regional areas and, and that, that, that comes back to uh, i had a house in gippsland for a while i lost it in the fires but um uh when i was involved in that community i don't even be up there on weekends but I still felt a part of that community because you know, I'd go to the pub and I'd meet all the people and we'd have a chat and I'd go watch the local footy at Ballara. It was at Ballara, so it's near mm-hmm. Moving North. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and I, I kind of felt a part of that community as well when I, for the time I was there. But um, those communities are a lot more accepting, I think, of people coming in. Like it's that old country mm. town sort of thing. I think that they, you know, if you go there and contribute, you, you accept it pretty quickly. Um, like I said, this Karen doesn't have that country feel anymore to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, I just you know, before we we move on, you know, I, you said something about it getting involved with you know community and volunteering. I mean, my own experience, I've I did meals meals on wheels for ten years yeah, down right. here in Kingston. I used to drive my grandmother. Yeah, that was her. I used to drive her so she could deliver meals on wheels when yeah. I was a young bloke. Yeah. And, and and so you did that for ten years. I did it for ten years <laughs> in Kingston. I was doing yeah because I was living in Frankston at the time and Morty Alec at the time. So I was you know I was doing it for ten years. I was working full time and I would take a few hours off in the morning on once a fortnight and do yeah. it. There's a there's a really wonderful feeling when you give back to your mm. community. There mm. really is. And I think you know we talk about antidotes. One of the things that I, if I was to say anything to anyone is that, you know, if you are feeling sort of down, if you are feeling isolated, the actual thing you need to do is the opposite of what you're doing right now. And you're just yep. going to give, right? You just do something for someone else. It'll make you feel good. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's a message that, you know, everyone can take away is that do that. Give it, give, give back. Yeah. Yeah, really give back. Okay, look, uh, you're, running sh- you're running short of time, eh? <laughs> I know. Look, as we were saying before, we could keep talking forever on uh, all these different topics with your experience, Andrew. But um, we do need to start thinking about wrapping things up. Um, but we, before we close with Andrew, with your second selection of music, we'd just like to touch on a, on a couple yeah. of things. Uh, if you're listening to us live, you already know that you can listen to the show via the Radio Carum app at 4pm on Thursdays, and you can grab the uh, podcast versions of the show with or without our selected music within a day or so, and uh, just look for Radio Carum Men with Spirit on your favourite podcast platform. Uh, plus, there are separate music playlists for each of our shows are available on Spotify, and this episode is episode number 21. And there's also a link there to the out of the pop, out of the box podcast with Ian Rogers in uh, in full flight, uh, which is re- really worth listening to. The easiest way to listen to the show uh, is uh, live or via podcast, and just go to the Radio Caram website, which is radiocaram.org shows men with spirit. Now next week um, we will not 
be broadcasting live at 4pm on Thursday. Instead, we are pleased to be rebroadcasting the very popular episode 16 where we discuss andropause, which is the male version of menopause, with Pearl Rogers, who's a clinical homeopath, spiritual counsellor and psychotherapist. Listen in, it's going to be a great show. And uh, as regards our regular face-to-face Men With Spirit meetings, all men are welcome to our gatherings. We are inclusive, but as you'd appreciate, available spaces are limited and we are close to capacity, so it's important to please register in advance to ensure that we do actually have a place for you. Uh, Currently, meetings are held weekly in Frankston and fortnightly in Leangatha and Menion in Gippsland. And they're facilitated by Brett Whittle. And uh, details are on our Men With Spirit Facebook page, at Men With Spirit. You can contact us at connect at menwithspirit.com.au. Steve, have you got any final remarks to wrap up on today's very informative uh, session with Andrew? There's a lot to take away from the episode and there's a lot to be inspired by with Andrew's story and you know you know there is definitely going to be a legacy that you leave behind and and you're a very humble man but you know the efforts that it takes to produce these kinds of projects and make things happen takes a lot of effort and uh, yeah it's been very inspiring and I'm sure there's something that we can all take away from that do something for your community yeah get involved yeah Mm. I think you're a really good example Andrew any final remarks from you oh no like you said I think you know you won't be sorry you won't yeah. be sorry if you get involved. Like it's, it's sometimes you, you won't necessarily meet all your best friends. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure there's people that don't like me, <laughs> but but by the same token, you will meet good people. You always meet good people because they've always got a, a like-minded, aren't they? They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're there for that reason. They want to com- they want to contribute. So yeah, yeah. Good brilliant. On. Thank you. Like attracts like. Um, Andrew, just to finish up, you've chosen as your final music selection. Uh, Keep Me In Your Heart by Warren Zevron uh, from his album The Wind. Now, what does this song to me mean to you and why have you chosen it, mate? Well, it's actually my funeral song, believe it or not. Oh. Hey, you're another one of those who's actually got their music. <laughs> oh, I've got a couple, don't worry. Uh, I've got some others I could tell you about after the show. <laughs> but um, no, this is this is one I picked for my funeral song, but I, I th- actually think it fits mm-hmm. because, um, uh, cause, you know, as a volunteer... Like, like I said, like I was saying before, you know, you don't necessarily want your name up in lights or anything mm-hmm. like that. But if when you go, people just think about you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think this, that's kind of what this song says. You know, yeah. it says, mm. just keep me in your heart for a while. So, yeah. Mm. Beautiful. 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 Okay, Thank look, um, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Yes. And until next time, be true to yourself. <laughs>